welcome to the Awakening Church podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. Man, what a great way Thanks. to begin this morning as we close out our series on the mountain of God, a worship series, as we're been diving in for the last four weeks, uh, what does it look like to be a people that dwell on the mountain of God? What does it look like for us to be a people that, that aren't just Sunday worshipers, but are passionate worshipers 24-7? And we've actually been journeying through a, one particular story for a long time. Uh, four weeks, I guess, is a long time, but uh, it's the story of Moses, the great liberator and leader of Israel. If you haven't been around, we've been telling this story when he's 80 years of age, and so he's not a young buck anymore, and he's wandering on the far side of the wilderness, and in that, he encounters God. He has a burning bush moment, literally. He is with a bunch of sheep, isolated, alone, feeling like he's a has-been washed up, washed out, and now he has this encounter with God, and God speaks to him. He has this recognition that he is on holy ground. His posture changes. That's week two, what we were talking about, and when you're on holy ground, you get a high calling from God, and he gets this calling, think about this, 80 years of age to be the leader for Israel out of bondage from Egypt, and last week we talked about this, that, that in that moment, he's got, uh, Moses is like wrestling, okay, um, <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm enough. We just sang this, so who are you and who's going with me? And God reveals his name, his covenant name, so personal, Yahweh, and saying that my sufficiency is greater than your insufficiency. My ability is greater than your inability. This is who I am. Now, what I want to do as we close out our time is for us to, to look at one particular verse uh, that we actually touched on last week, because as I sat with this, as we were teaching through this, I'm like, this is the verse that is not only such a great close for our worship series— but it sets up and speaks to, I believe, what God has for us, Awakening Church, and a specific word for us leading into our birthday next week. Now, seven years ago, we started this church, and the reason we call it a birthday is we believe God birthed a movement seven years ago, and he's doing something incredible. Now, it was incredibly scary, <laughs> Not knowing, is anybody going to show up? How's it going to work? Having to set up and tear down all these unknowns. And yet we started with one crystal clear vision. This is why we exist. This is what we're about. And we today, th it burns white hot, uh, just as it did seven years ago when we began. And this is our vision, that we exist to awaken this generation to new life. Like we're a multi-generational church that exists for this upcoming generation. And I want you to notice something. We don't exist to be the cool church. We don't even exist to have awesome worship. 
We don't exist to have engaging, thoughtful, compelling sermons or excellent coffee or kids. Here's why we exist about transformation. We exist so that in this moment right now, or whether you're in our kids' ministry or wherever you're at, you would have a moment on the mountain of God where your life would be changed. There would be an awakening to new life in Jesus Christ. We're about transformation because we have a God who brings transformation, and he's moving and working in our midst. Now, if you've been journeying with us the last few weeks, the question you might be asking as you look back on the story of Moses and the burning bush, it sounds like one of those just stories told long ago, is this. Does God still do that? Is God still active? Does he skip generations? (laughs) You know, I mean, he did it then, but is he really moving now? Is this just an anomaly, or is there something for us today, right here, that God wants to say to us? If you've got your Bibles, would you open them up to Exodus chapter 3? In God revealing his name to Moses, he closes it out this way, chapter 3, verse 15. And he says this, God's saying this to Moses, this is my name, Yahweh, his covenant name, I am, he is, eternal, immutable, unchangeable, the personally, actively engaged God, forever. This is my name, not just for now. This is my name, not just for this season. See, a name in the ancient day, like we talked about last week, what has to do with one's character and identity, not just an identification. It's talking about this is my character. This is how I I am going to act. This is who I am. I'm not going to change. I am God forever and ever. And so as we lean into this and as we move on into this next season, this is what God's saying to you. The same God who revealed himself to Moses in the fiery bush is longing to reveal himself to you. He still is active and working and moving. His character has not changed. His purposes are sure and steadfast. And you can trust and go and take it to the bank what he says. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me Now notice this, from generation to generation. It's actually the title of this morning's message, Generation to Generation. Would you just go ahead and do this for me? Just turn to the person next to you and say, Generation to Generation. Now turn to the other side and say to the other person, Generation to Generation. Now that we got the awkwardness out of the way. Because here's here's what I want to paint for you. Because I think our tendency with this is to think God worked and moved over there, or God worked and moved at that time, but perhaps God is not really going to work and move in my time, 
or in my generation or in my life. And, and what I want you to just lean into and hear is that, no, 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 this is his name forever. How long is forever, anybody? Forever, thank you very much. Always and for all time, unchanging, and you shall call on me that name. Why? Because I'm consistently myself and behaving and engaging and responding to you. Which generation? Every generation, from generation to generation. It's not like there's just one kind of chosen generation. You know, like, oh man, that generation was an awesome generation. This generation kind of sucks. Well, they need to get their act together, right? It's like, no, no, no. Every single generation, God says, this is my name. You can take it to the bank. Literally, I didn't say take it to the bank at all first service. I've said it twice, this one. I'm not exactly sure. Does, do any of you even go to the bank anymore? <laughs> Probably not. For younger ones, what it means is um, you can count on God, okay? <laughs> Just thought I, thought I would translate that for you. You're like, take it to the bank. What is that place? No, 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 no. I, I want to do a little unpacking for us. Uh, contextualize this for us. Because we still keep it out there. Let me just talk about the generations represented right here in this moment. Isn't it amazing? Right now, this morning, right here, there's four different generations represented. Did you know that? Isn't that incredible? Four distinct generations. Let me just talk a little bit about the generations. There's the baby boomers. Do we have any baby boomers here? Don't be so shy. <laughs> I see a little raised hand like, okay. <laughs> Come on, there's, there's not as many of you in this room. You better just kind of give it to me. Any baby boomers here? Come on. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you. For those who don't know about the baby boomers, is the r- way they got their name is there was literally a boom of babies after World War II. Their parents were known as the Builder Generation. The Builder Generation went through uh, the Great Depression, two wars. Uh, incredibly frugal, steadfast people that, that instilled in their kids, you deserve a better life. And they, post-war, had incredible economic flourishing. And so the baby boomers, just incredible boom of babies. In fact, 76 million of you approximately uh, and there is this little mantra that you kind of grew up with that's like, you know what, I, I deserve better. Uh, and your parents instilled that of like, no, we want you to have a better life than we had. And what followed after the baby boomers was then Gen X. Do we have any Gen Xers in the room? I, I love this service. This is fun. This is fun. Okay, um. I'm kind of, I'm a Gen X, Gen Xer. Um, Now, here's the reason nobody clapped, by the way, for that as Dutch. Gen Xers, the reason they have their name, or we have our name, is because we don't like to be labeled. All the Gen Xers are like, don't call me a Gen Xer. Originally, their name was the Baby Busters. Did you know that? Uh, And the Baby Busters, because we came on the scene right around when birth control came on the scene. And so instead of 76 million, there's only about 46 million. So literally, we're just lucky to be alive. (laughs) 
And as Gen Xers, we don't label us, don't tell us who we are. We'll, we don't need a label, right? That's, that's kind of our mantra. Is our mantra then, instead of we deserve better, is just keep it real to a fault. And so you have baby boomers in this room. You have Gen Xers in this room. And then you have some millennials in this room. Any millennials here? I, I thought as much. Just as much as Gen Xers hate to be labeled, millennials love it. They're like, what are you? I'm a millennial, thank you very much. Millennials. Um, you all grew up in a world where your parents told you how awesome you are. <laughs> You're like, yes, they did. <laughs> you are so special. And every single event you ever went to, regardless of whether you placed last, you still got a trophy. It makes, uh, and so uh, you've been called the trophy generation at times because of that. And there is this uniqueness that you have in that you've grown up with so many options that you see life almost like a cafeteria. I can pick and choose all the different ways that I want to do, like even my education or my future or this or that. And, and there's this beautiful confidence that you've been instilled with. At times it's a little overconfident, but there's this beautiful confidence. And what's rooted deep inside of you is this heart to change the world. More than any other generation, we've seen this heart to change the world. I, the, the other side of it is I just want to let you know it will take longer than three months to change the world, right? You have this desire. I want to change the world, but it has to happen now, you know? And so un unintentionally in our fast-paced world, we somehow have begun to believe that slow is bad or hard is bad. And so we have the baby boomers here. We have the Gen Xers here. We have the millennials here. And then we have Gen Z. Any Gen Z in the room? That's right, that's right. My kids are Gen Z, and if there's, there's actually millennials, you're the largest demographic in our um, country today, 80 million of you. Gen Z, you're just behind as you're stepping onto the scene. There's 74 million of you, and, and one of the things that's important for us, just as all the generations to understand, every generation went through vastly different experiences that have shaped who we are and our understanding of the world, for the Gen Zers, uh, they also had this tagline by a social scientist when they first stepped onto the scene as homelanders. And the reason was it, they were homelanders because they stepped on the scene right around the time when homeland security in our country became official thing. They have never not known a, a world with global terrorism. They've experienced two economic downturns in a social media-driven world that is just this incredible fishbowl. Actually, Gen Zers, one of the things, just my heart is out for you guys, is um, there was this study done of anxiety and stress among your generation, and you are the most anxious generation we've seen in history. The anxiety levels for this generation are at the same level of those who are in a, in a psych ward back in the 1950s. And you are inundated with information, and you're getting barraged and hit on every side. We, we weren't, our bodies and our hearts weren't meant to be able to take in all the global uh, heartache and pain all in one click of a button. Now, this is my name Forever, the name you shall call me 
from generation baby boomers to generation Gen Xers to generation millennials to generation Gen Zers. See, when you begin to break them down and you think about some of the cultural values, we begin to think we have so much that divides us, so much that's different about us. And yet, we have more in common because we have, we worship one Lord and Savior. And I want to paint this picture when we talk about awakening. Think about this. We are four generation, we're a four generation church for this generation. We need every single generation worshiping together for this generation. So let me say a few things here. One, baby boomers. Some of you feel like, man, I, you show up in this church, especially you're like, I don't even know if I belong here. Is there anyone else around here that looks like me? We need you. We need you worshiping with us. By the way, I, I truly believe you are the story you carries story carriers for the next generation. Subtly, we've begun to believe millennials and Gen Zers that you can just Google everything, but you can't Google wisdom. We have lost the sages in our society because we have shortcut it with technology, and as a result, we're missing out on who we are and how to do life. Baby boomers, we need you. You're sages. You're the storytellers. Do you recognize that, that, that the world that we're living in and the uncertainty and the pace and the pain, that there are seasons and trials all throughout every single generation? That there's been multiple wars. There's been multiple economic downturns. There's been all sorts of uncertainty. And generation after generation, we get to declare the excellencies of him who's been faithful every single time. And so those who have gone before, our role is to say to the next generation, don't freak out. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. But what I do know is my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hello. And he will show up. And he's still moving in this generation. And you are not a forgotten generation. And this is not a forgotten time. He is the God of every generation. Millennials, you're like, finally, it's my turn. I was waiting, hoping that you would get to me. Our church has been focused predominantly in the first seven years on millennials. When we talk about this generation, we really define it as between 18 and 30, but really that focus, 18 to 25, of the type of church we want to, uh, age demographic we want to reach. And here's what I want to say to you millennials, is, is you've been the focus for a while, and, and it's, uh, can I say this just in a way that is loving, but I want you to get this, because this is a big step. It's time for you to step off the podium of focus and step into the position of leadership. It's time for you, instead of going, how can I get from here, how can I give to the next generation? When we begin to look at, hey, millennials, Gen Z is the next generation, and you know what they're saying? We're, they're just saying, I'm just trying to cope with reality. I'm hoping things get better, and you are actually a generation that gets to speak into their life, and just as you've had people pour into you, it is your time to then begin to pour into others. 
and that you would step up into leadership, step up and realize you have a voice and you have influence, and maybe just changing the world is engaging in one person's world at a time. We are a four-generation church for this generation, and in Christ we have more in common than we have that is different over the four generations. So let me remind you of this. The same God that was with Moses is with you presently right now. The same God who showed up to Moses in the burning bush is with you right now. And baby boomers, here's what I love about this, because some of you are like, ah, isn't this a young person's sport? Moses was 80 years of age when he got his call And if you're not dead, God's not done with you. I said it week one, I'll say it again. It's not time to sit back, it's time to lean in. The same God that was with David is with you. King David that was anointed as a boy, that was a shepherd like Moses, that uh, then spent years and years and years running from King Saul, and in that time, his character was being honed and What was known about David, by the way, was that he was a man after God's own heart. I wonder what would happen if we made our aim, instead of having the next cool thing or somehow building our platform or our brand, that we just simply made our aim to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Just imagine what kind of church this would be if our aim and our focus and our desire and our heart and intent, we just said, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how the world's going to turn out. I just know that the same God that was with David is with me. And what I want is I want to be a person after God's heart. And just imagine what God would want to do, not through just one individual, but through a community that said, we're going to run after your heart. The same God that was with Esther, queen of Persia, was a teenager. Think about this. She, she's ripped out of her home, thrown into an awful beauty pageant, and then forced to be the king's wife. Oh, on top of that, her people um, now are under attack by an evil guy named Haman, and they're under the threat of full genocide. Do you think that's uncertain times? You ever felt powerless or out of control or hopeless? She did. And the same God that walked with this young woman, and when she stood up courageously, is with you. The same God that's with Daniel and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were ripped out of their home, pulled to foreign soil, away from their family, indoctrinated into the ways of Babylon. And they decided, you know what? I'm going to follow after my God no matter what. And so they stood in fiery times because that's what it takes, by the way. There's times when we have to stand up And lean in when everyone else is running away. And Daniel and his friends said, okay, no, no, no. We're going to live for our God in the midst of such an evil place. And we're going to let the consequences lay as they will. And they saw God show up time 
and time again. The same God that was with teenager Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was in Podunk, Nashville, <laughs> not Nashville, <laughs> Nazareth, <laughs> a little different than Nashville. Nashville, known as, it, it was a slur. It was like, what good could come from uh, Nazareth? Teenage girl, God showed up and said, I, I want to use you to bring about the long-awaited Messiah. And guess what her response was? Do with me whatever you desire. I'm all in. I'm all yours. And the disciples, the same God that was with the disciples is with you, present tense right now. Like, just think about that. There, there's a handful of them. They're just teenage fishermen. You think we have some differences in our generations here? They had differences in their political and socioeconomic value system. You had blue-collar fishermen next to a tax collector who was in cahoots with the reigning empire. Then you had a zealot who, who was in the side of the Jewish camp on opposite side of the tax collectors, and somehow, together, God used this band of people to revolutionize the world. Why? Because it wasn't their differences. It was who they knew and who transformed their life. So let me ask you. Baby boomers? Gen Xers? Millennials? Gen Zers? Do you want to leave the church in a better place than when you found it? Like, like do we, <laughs> do you want to create a church that the next generation loves for a lifetime, not just a time in their life? Where this place would be a lighthouse for those lost at sea? Where, where we don't just talk about awakening a generation, we actually reach a generation? where we see four generations bonded together for the cause of Christ to awaken this generation, to influence and invite others into this hope that we have. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me. When we worship together multiple generations, it shakes the foundations of this earth and it will advance the cause of his kingdom. When we bond together and go, no, 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 we're leaning in together. God, you've got us into this. You'll see us through it. Moses, 40 years later, pens this incredible psalm. A psalm is simply a song, so he wrote a song. He had led the people out of Israel, or out of, out of bondage of Egypt. They went back, and they actually worshipped on Mount Sinai. It's a fascinating story. Didn't all work out as planned. But as he is dying, and in his last days, he's sitting up on what many scholars believe is Mount Ararat, 
overlooking into the promised land, not able to go into it, but about to pass the baton of leadership onto Joshua to go into the promised land, and he pins this song. It's the song of Moses. It's, it's the song of his heart that he's wanting every generation to know and to sing. And it begins this way. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. He's seen a lot of generations come and go. Oh, that the mountain of God would not be something that we go, that's for them or for they. That we would go, no, no, every single generation, we'd say, you are our dwelling place. You are the place for which my heart longs and where I long to be. That we would be a community of passionate worshipers. And then he closes this way. With a prayer. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Like God, you've been our dwelling place. And in such our worship, you have called us out to, to declare your glory and your excellency, to be a lighthouse for those lost at sea. And so, would your favor rest on us? And that's what I want to pray as we step into a new season together, four generations, declaring the greatness of our God to this generation that his favor would rest on us, and then he would establish the work of our hands. That word establish means to prepare or make ready. It also means to fix or to put right. And if you're willing, as we close this season, as we're about to step into a moment of responding together with one heart, with one song, would you open your hands up and just could I pray this prayer of blessing over you? God, I pray for the, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, the Gen Zers in this room. May your favor rest on them. God, would you give each person in this room a God-ordained vision for their life? That they would not settle for the status quo. They would not set back and just kind of expect things to go just how they've gone. But they would respond to the God of every generation. Who's calling. Who's inviting. Who has a purpose and a plan. May your favor rest on them. God, may your favor rest on awakening would you pour out your divine favor that we might see this city, this generation, this world come to know you? God, would you establish the work of our hands? For some, would you prepare them right now as you birth something in them? Would you prepare them? Would you make them ready? Give them a, a dislocated heart for those who don't know you for their workplace and for their school, that you would allow them to have courage to stand up and stand for you. God, would you establish the work of our hands? Would you, for some, would you just meet them right now that you would fix 
the broken and the wounded places in their heart. That you do the deep work, Holy Spirit, right now in them. That you would repair the broken dreams and the heartache and the pain. And you'd breathe life. That God, would you make us a people? Make us a church that dwells on the mountain of God. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to worship, we're going to take communion together. It's two stations in the front and one in the back. And this is a moment where we get to declare, man, we may have four different generations in this room but we have one Lord and Savior. We have one name upon which we all proclaim and one name upon which we have experienced life. And so as we take communion, it's just his body broken for you, represented in the, in the cracker and his blood poured out, that you would just remind yourself of how deeply you're loved. And we just begin to declare his goodness and his greatness as we worship together. Why don't you stand with me and we'll continue in worship. And you can come forward and take the elements at any time.